0: This episode is sponsored by me, Andy Hill, the host of this show. If you're looking for someone to support you on your family wealth and happiness journey, I'm taking on a select number of coaching clients this year. To work with me one-on-one for your family finances, go to marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching to learn more.
1: Sit down, list out your debts, list them in order of smallest balance to the lowest, and then ask yourself the honest question of, okay, hey, this first debt here, it's $1,200, let's say. What can I do this week to get additional money? Even if it's only $100, what can I do?
0: This show is dedicated to helping you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Welcome to the Marriage, Kids, and Money podcast, everybody. This is Andy Hill, and today we're going to do two things. First, we're gonna be answering a question from the Marriage, Kids, and Money community about how to climb out of $80,000 of debt when you've got no savings and you got a low income. It's a tough situation, and we're gonna help out our friend. Second, we are back with our Debt-Free Family segment. This month, we're featuring Brandon Rodriguez, who paid off $137,000 in five years. We're gonna find out how she did this, and how she's building wealth for her family now that she is debt-free. All right, let's jump into today's show. I received a question from Simone through my newsletter, and here it is. My husband and I hit rock bottom financially. I am looking for solutions to get back on track. We are about $80,000 in debt, and on top of that, we have about $35,000 of home repair to do not cosmetic change, house siding. I don't know how to tackle the debt payment and find money to do that work. We were doing major home renovations and ran up to a lot of unforeseen work. We have already used emergency funds and savings. Anyway, any word of wisdom, tips are welcome. Simone. Simone, thank you so much for connecting through my newsletter, everybody. If you want to connect like Simone, uh, you can do that through our biweekly newsletter, and you can do that at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash free gift. That's marriagekidsandmoney.com slash free gift. You'll get the 10 steps we took to pay off our mortgage early as that free gift. Now let's get back to Simone. Simone, I feel your pain here. I can feel through your words that this is a very, very difficult time right now with so much debt and so many unforeseen costs, it sounds like you feel trapped. So to help me answer your question, I've invited someone else who's been in a similar situation and then climbed their way out. And she did it on less than $50,000 of income per year. Jessie Furon is my guest today. Jessie is a personal finance writer and coach who seeks to challenge, encourage, and equip women to take the steps they need to achieve financial freedom. She's also the author of the new book, Getting Good with Money, a book focused on helping you pay off your debt and find a life of freedom without losing your mind. Jesse's advice has been featured on DaveRamsey.com, Chicago Tribune, MSN Money, U.S. News Money, and many other popular sites. When she's not helping families with their financial goals, she enjoys spending time with her husband and homeschooling her three kids in Georgia. Welcome back to the show, Jesse.
1: Well, thank you for having me back on, Andy. I'm excited to be here. (laughs)
0: Absolutely. It's a joy to have you back. And let's help Simone with her question here. This is a tough situation. She's dealing with $80,000 of debt and then a $35,000 home repair. Where should she begin?
1: So I'm actually married to a contractor. So I can tell you that there is is a number one unspoken rule when it comes to construction. And that is there will always be unforeseen. You're going to tear down a wall, rip up a floor, dig in the dirt, do something, and you're going to discover something you didn't expect. It is like, just go ahead and count on that to happen. It's going to happen. My husband gets nervous if it doesn't happen on a job. He's like, well, wait a minute. (laughs) This went according to plan. So I totally sympathize with that because yeah, cedar and hardy plank siding right now is very expensive. You know, so that's really, really hard. When it comes to these things, when you have these home repairs, these home remodels, and you have all this debt, it's it's so hard to figure out because my house needs new siding or my porch is falling off. I need to do these things, but I'm being crippled financially. And so, you know, as hard as this is to say that the truth is, is for Simone, she's going to have to focus right now on that debt to create that breathing room in her income or else she's not ever going to be able to dig herself out. Especially since they've already used, you know, some of their emergency fund and their savings, you know, they're kind of walking that tightrope of life. And then any little thing can come and, you know, come and just derail their plans and they could find themselves in a worse situation. And so my best advice is to, you know, they don't have to focus on paying off all that $80,000 of debt right away, but to at least bring that number down to a more manageable level where they have more breathing room within their budget.
0: Yeah. You know, when somebody's getting started with such a large number, it can feel overwhelming. I even, even reading that number, I felt overwhelmed. (laughs) Where should she begin when she's looking at that 80K? How can we break that down into smaller steps so it seems more, I guess, doable?
1: My best advice, especially for Simone, is to do the debt snowball method, which is where you pay off your smallest balanced <laughs> debt to your largest balanced debt that will give them the small wins that they need to create that breathing room a lot faster than like the debt avalanche method would be. And their main goal right now is to create that breathing room. It's not necessarily to save on interest, it's to create the breathing room. And that's really what they need to do. So the first step would be to list out their debts from the smallest balance of debt to the largest balance debt, and then start making a plan of attack to attack that smallest balance debt, whether that's they ransack their house and sell anything that they don't need anymore, pick up a side hustle or take extra shift at work, whatever they can do to just bring in just even a little bit of extra income. And that's something I think a lot of people forget is that it doesn't have to be, you know, 1000s of dollars extra, it could be, you know, $100 extra, that can be so profound and just getting that fire started.
0: Yeah, you know, you mentioned even the small thing of like, just kind of looking around your house and seeing what can go. Have you had some success personally with just selling stuff around the house?
1: Oh, yes. And we still do this today. Absolutely. I mean, that was one of the first things that we did, um, actually, to become debt free is we just ransacked the house and just like threw everything down in the living room and figured out what we could sell. I mean, some stuff we only sold for like $5, you know, and then there was, of course, a few other things that we could sell for a little bit more. But the reality is, is that everything we sold, at least initially, was less than $100. So it wasn't like we had, you know, thousands of dollars coming in from these sales. But just that little bit was enough to just ignite that fire that got us going.
0: Yeah, well, so you talk about the debt snowball and some clarity with that, like, is just understanding the numbers. I understand you're, you're all about budgeting. I'm all about budgeting. Talk to us about the importance of a budget for somebody like Simone.
1: Well, you know, a budget is really just a roadmap for, you know, where you want your money to take you and making it aligned with the priorities that you have in your life. And so right now for Simone, her priority is to get that debt level down to a a much more manageable level to create that breathing room. And so, you know, right now for her to create a budget, I would just suggest with starting with, you know, your current checking account balance write it on a sheet of paper, look at the calendar, when's your next payday? Okay, between now and next payday, you know, what bills are due? Do I got to go to the grocery store? You know, do do kids have the sport fees due? You know, what is all coming due between now and next payday? Write that all down, subtract it out of your checking account balance. And then when you get paid again, add it back in. Now, when you do this exercise, you know, any money that's left over, make a plan and put action behind the plan to take that extra money and throw it to the smallest balance debt. And then just keep, you know, rinse and repeat, do the cycle over and over again. And you will find yourself just with so much momentum, you won't even know what to do with it.
0: <laughs> yeah. You know, a number like $80,000, that can feel like a momentum killer too. If you're like, okay, I'm not done in one month. I'm bored or I'm not, I'm not <laughs> motivated anymore. you have any tips for Simone on like kind of keeping your motivation going?
1: Absolutely. I, so for me, I'm a huge fan of like having a list and being able to physically cross it off. Um, when we were first attacking our debt, I actually had like a big list that I had on our refrigerator. And I would cross it off, you know, just a little bit at a time. You know, she has a spreadsheet, she likes that, whatever she can do. But tracking it, one will help to staying, keeping the eyes off of that big $80,000 number and instead shift the focus to just that smallest balance debt. So even if it's only, you know, a $500 debt, whatever it may be, make that the sole focus and attack that one with as much aggression and intensity as you can. And then once it's gone, then you can snowball to the next one and keep doing that. Keep the focus on those smaller balance debts and you will get so much momentum under your belt you won't be so defeated by that big $80,000 number.
0: These are great tips. You mentioned your story. You talked about being able to pay down your debt and become debt-free. How did that start? Did you have a rock-bottom moment like Simone? Jesse? talk to us about that.
1: So basically, we started 2012 pregnant and we ended 2012 pregnant wasn't, it you know, wasn't on purpose, but you know, that's how things go. Right. <laughs> and so, um, and so we were, so we started 2013 facing the reality that we were about to have two kids under the age of two, both who going to be in diapers. Right. Um, and so I was trying to figure out how are we going to make this all work, you know, because things were already really tight. So as I started kind of like planning, okay, like double diapers, going to have to buy formula again, going to have to do these little things. I started to realize we didn't have any money like none, like we were going to be broke. And so that realization led to, well, either I'm going to have to go back into the corporate world because we, my husband and I had wanted me to be a stay-at-home mom. So I was either going to have to go back in the corporate world, be the breadwinner again. But the reality is over half my paycheck was going to go to paying for daycare for two kids under the age of two. Um, and my husband at the time, he worked a job where his schedule was all over the place. I mean, sometimes he was a nine to five, but a lot of times he was third shift or he was out of the state for months on end. sometimes. So the burden of doing all all of it was going to fall on me. I was going to be getting the kids to and from daycare and going to work myself and you know getting the kids ready for bed and you know dinner and all, all those things and that was not a life me and my husband wanted. That just sounded chaotic and, you know, disconjointed. And that just wasn't what we wanted. And so, you know, we had this really hard conversation, like one of the first real hard, but fruitful conversations around money that we had ever had in our marriage of like, you know, that's not the life we want. So how are we going to fix this? What are we going to do? And that's where it started to come into play. Like, okay, we've we've got to cut up the credit cards. We've got to pay them off. We've got to start doing these things because we're being crippled by this debt.
0: That is a tough moment to realize. So what are some of the things that you started to do to snowball to get yourself into a good place?
1: Well, we did the debt snowball method as well. But my, our largest debt was actually my student loans. They were just under $30,000. The two smallest debts that we had were credit cards. And so we had made this crazy plan that we were going to pay them off before our second child was born. We had no idea if this was even realistic. We were just like, that's what we're going to do. That's 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 the line of the sand right there. Right. <laughs> um, and so you know, we cut them up. I remember people thought we were completely crazy. Because at the time we were doing this, like, you know, there was like hashtag debt free community. And there wasn't any of this stuff around. So people thought we were in insane. But we cut up the credit cards. And then we started from there, just paying off as little bit as we could each time. I actually started walking dogs as a side hustle, walking dogs and picking up their poop. It was not glamorous, it was <laughs> not fun at all. But it you know it was a few extra hundred bucks a month that I made, and that just immediately went to the debt. And we actually managed to achieve our goal two days before our second child was born. We paid off the last credit card, and so yeah, it was amazing. From there, we had my Tahoe loan, and then we had my student loans, and so we actually ended up getting rid of the Tahoe. We didn't even. Pay off the loan on that one. We just went and bought a, we, we bought a, an old car and uh, I still drive it today. <laughs>
0: With pride, I'm sure. Absolutely. I do, yeah. I do.
1: It's, it, my car is 21 years old now. She's, oh, you know, she, yeah, yeah. She, she, can,
0: she can go buy a drink at the bar. Oh, she nice. can,
1: she can. <laughs> she's got the rust spots to prove it, but it's fine, she still goes down the road. She's happy.
0: <laughs> I love it. That's great. You know, when we talk about things like this, a lot of it has to have some sort of partnership associated with it. So how did some of those conversations go with your husband originally? Was he on board? Was he not on board? How, how did you get him on board? Talk to us about that.
1: Well, you know, um, one of the things that I think spouses kind of forget sometimes is that, you know, we forget that we know each other really, really well, you know, um, and we can sometimes in our heads make up, oh, you know, they're not going to re- like respond this way or they're not going to think like this, you know, and then we kind of try to go in and just do it all on our own, forgetting that, well, we have another person in our life that we kind of need to bring into the fold here. Um, and so I've definitely have been tempted to do that. And I was tempted to do that with my husband when I had that realization of the, We're we're about to be broke. We're about to not have any money. But I realized like, what good was that going to do? You know, was that going to, you know, at this point, you know, and this was actually brought upon, I actually had our debit card declined at the grocery store. Yeah. And so that was like another, like, kind of like, okay, wow. Yeah, this is a real problem. And so the fact that it was a real problem and I came to my husband and, you know, he knew I was being genuine. He knew I wasn't like being dramatic or making up something or just trying to, you know, do whatever. Like he understood, like, I wasn't kidding. Like we don't have any money. And I even brought like all the proof with me, even though I ended up not needing any of that because he could tell just by how genuine I was in that approach that like, no, this is, this is real. Okay. We've got a problem what do we do about it? And so we talked about it and we both agreed that the credit cards were a big problem. At the time, my husband wasn't as keen on paying off the Tahoe or anything else yet, but definitely the credit cards he agreed was a big problem because we were both just sort of swiping those cards mindlessly. And that's where the problem had to come into play. And, you know, and so it just, it took that real effort behind that. And I think, you know, especially when it comes to talking to our spouses, one of the things that we just have to remember is that, you know, they're not the enemy. They're our teammates. And, you know, we need to kind of treat them the way we want to be treated. And so I'm a big fan of, you know, remembering to try to use like we, us and ours more than I, me or you, because sometimes we can get into the cutisatory language of like, you did this, or how could you buy, you know, this many Red Bulls at the gas station? Don't you know, we're on a budget, you know, and instead, we just need to be like, hey, we're over budget, or hey, this is a problem. What do you think we can do about this? And that just brings about a much more fruitful conversation.
0: That's great advice for a lot of conversations, especially in marriage. Talk to us about when you became debt-free and then I guess how has that changed things for you going forward?
1: So we actually became 100% consumer debt-free right before my daughter was born. And then we paid off our mortgage in January of 2019. So becoming debt-free has just been... It's been such a blessing because, you know, my husband now owns his own business and he's actually able to afford to pay himself less because we don't require to live on, you know, a bunch of money. So he's able to pay himself less. And so that way he can actually employ his employees and, you know, pay them good salaries and, you know, give them benefits that they wouldn't get, you know, at a lot of other blue collar places, you know, and we're able to give money like we never thought we would ever be able to do. I mean, we had friends who she's a single mom and her car really needed repairs and she did not have the money to do it. And so we went to the, the mechanic and paid for it. And we did that without it ever affecting our family, you know, which we would have never been able to do before because before if we had had a car repair like that, we wouldn't have been able to afford it. So the, The fact that we're able to do those things now has been such a blessing. And I'm so grateful for that because we've given our kids a life that they would not have on the salary that my husband makes. I mean, even today, he makes right at $50,000 a year. So, you know, they wouldn't have the life that they get to live and go on the vacations and have the experiences that they do if it had not been for their parents deciding to get good with money and to pay off the debt.
0: It's a math problem. I'm thinking in my head, okay, $50,000 income, and then you still have the expenses of life. So what are you guys living on in order to use that, I guess, buffer to hit these debt payoff goals? And I understand you're big on investing. Like, well, how do you control those expenses? And then where are you spending your money at this point?
1: For us, where we keep spending our money a lot is actually more on experiences now. Um, you know, with me homeschooling, like I take them on field trips. Um, we went overnight to Chattanooga Zoo. So that was really fun. Um, we go on vacations now, so much more than we ever thought we would. You know, but being able to budget these things and now accordingly has just been, has just been so amazing. And so we use sinking funds a lot for this just because it, it keeps money out of our main check-in account because I swear if there's money sitting in the checking account, it <laughs> finds a way to disappear. So we just give it a job we move it over to a sinking fund or we put it into our Roth IRAs. You know, we move it somewhere so it's out of sight, out of mind and it's serving its purpose. For us, it's just been keeping it front and center and we continuously have these meetings where we just like, we talk about, you know, where are we headed? What do we want to do? You know, is this aligned with our goals and how we want to live our life? You know, what's the next big thing? You know, for me, my husband's been us trying to buy land for like the last two years, but you know, everything just keeps going up in price.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess when you own your home outright, you own your cars outright, and you're pretty good at shopping for the food, there's not a ton of other expenses in life. Is there's that true? Not.
1: Yeah. And that's the thing. Outside of vacations Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, you know, gosh, 10 years ago, that was not the case. Like we were spending money like it was water. We were just doing whatever we wanted with it. There was no plan in place. But now it's like, okay, well, you know, the question always is like, well, is spending money on that thing actually worth taking away from these other things? And, you know, that's an important question. I think everybody has to ask themselves because, you know, your money is what it is, you know, like you what money you have sitting in your accounts, what money you get paid. That's what it is. And so how are you going to use that money to benefit your family? And is this one expense really worth it? And sometimes it will be. Sometimes it might be a frivolous expense, but it's it's actually worth it to you. Other times it won't be.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, there's somebody who's been listening to our conversation right now and then our support for Simone and they're in deep, deep debt like Simone and they're just considering bankruptcy. They're saying, hey, let's just wipe this thing clean and I'll be fine afterward. What would you say to that person?
1: I would say that one, keep in mind that bankruptcy isn't free. A lot of people don't realize that, you know, and also keep in mind that there is a mental toll that happens with bankruptcy. Someone that I love very dearly, I won't say who they are, but they went through bankruptcy and yeah, it was really horrible. Like they had to be on suicide watch. And so it's, it's, and I want people to remember that because it does take a mental toll on you that you don't realize until you're in it. And so you have to understand that and really think about that and contemplate that because I can't tell you what to do. If you're really considering bankruptcy, I can't probably convince you not to do it. But what I would like to at least convince you to do first is to sit down, list out your debts, list them in order of smallest balance to the lowest, and then ask yourself the honest question of, okay, hey, this first debt here, it's a $1,200, let's say. What can I do this week to get additional money, even if it's only a hundred dollars, what can I do? Can I sell off something? Can, you know, I go donate plasma or something? Well, you know, what can I go do to get just a little extra money and throw it at this debt? Ask yourself that. Cause a lot of times I feel like the, you know, almost, I don't want to say the cure to anxiety, but I do sometimes feel like one of the ways that we can fix our own anxiety is just by action taking action on something and getting that ball rolling and getting out of our head and convincing ourselves that, oh, we're hopeless. There's nothing we can do. Sometimes just taking those simple steps and that action will actually bring us out of that place of despair and get us moving towards the light, get us moving in the direction that we want to go.
0: I love that advice, Jesse. I am all about carpe diem and taking advantage of (laughs) action. Just even if it's small, you're to your point. These don't need to be massive actions. You see $80,000 of debt, it's not paying off $80,000 of debt. It's paying off $500 and then $1,000 and then $1,500 and then getting where you need to go. I love this advice. Jesse, you have a new book out. Tell us about it and tell us where people can get it.
1: Yes, my book is Getting Good With Money and it shares practical ways for your family to get good with money, whether that is paying off your debt, that is building up your emergency fund, whatever your version of financial freedom, my book is dedicated to helping you figure that out and helping you learn practical tools and trips to being able to make that life of financial freedom for you a reality because personal finance is personal. Your version of financial freedom is going to look very different than my family's. And so those are just tools and and, uh, tips that I share in getting good with money meant to help you and your family succeed financially.
0: Yes, Jesse gets personal in this book, shares her struggles, shares where she's gone. And sometimes seeing somebody else's story gives you a preview of how this can be done. So Jesse, thank you so much for writing the book. If people wanna connect with you outside of the book, do you have a website that they should go to?
1: Yes, it is com, and they can also connect with me on Instagram at jessiefuron.
0: Excellent. Excellent. Jesse, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it.
1: Thank you, Andy.
0: We'll be back to the show after a word from our sponsor. For some people like me, debt can feel like an incredible weight on your shoulders. After carrying that weight for a while, there comes a time when you say, I'm done with this. On our Debt Free segment today, we're going to interview Brandon Rodriguez from San Antonio, Texas. Recently, Brandon and her husband became debt free after paying off $137,000 of debt in less than five years. Today, we're going to learn how they accomplished this family financial goal goal and what they're doing with their money now. Welcome to the show, Brandon.
2: Hey, thank you for having me. I appreciate
0: it. I'm glad you're here. This is going to be a lot of fun. You and I had a chance to meet recently, and I'm glad we're able to do this interview now. So tell me, why did you want to become debt-free in the first place?
2: I was tired of debt weighing me down, just kind of like what you said. I wanted more for my future. I wanted more for my children. My children were my why, but also looking at interest rates and seeing how much I was paying in interest on credit cards, student loans, even my mortgage, like so much interest going to mortgage each month. And I was like, okay, well, if we can knock out the rest of our other debt, then we can focus on our mortgage later. And so between interest and our kids, that was kind of like the fire that fueled me to like, hey, we can do this and let's get started.
0: What other type of debt did you have when we talked about this big number of 137,000?
2: Oh yeah. So you name it, we have it. So we had student loans, we had car payments, we had credit cards, we had medical bills. We, I mean, we had it all. I would say the bulk of it was credit cards and student loan payments and car payments we really ate up the most of it. And it was one of those things, you know, my husband's like, well, we can afford the payments. And it was like, yeah, we can afford them monthly, which is great. But when you start looking at how much you're throwing out towards debt payments a month, and it was like, you know what, we could really use that money for something else. It's okay. Yeah, we can afford it, but I'd rather use it for something else.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about the process of becoming debt free. What did you do to become debt free? Let's talk about maybe the increasing income side. What did you do to increase your income?
2: Yeah. So over the five years that we were on our debt free journey, two of those years we did side hustles. They weren't anything glamorous, but they got the job done. So the first year that we started our journey, again, I was kind of telling myself like, yeah, our our normal job can help us. And, the, and we were able to do the snowball method, but I was like, I want it to go faster and I want to go move, move a lot faster. So I chose to uh, wait tables. So I waited tables, which was only going to be for three months. And my husband thought I was crazy. I was like, I got a, I got a part-time job. And he was like, no, you didn't. And I was like, yeah, I did. And he was just like, have you lost your mind? Like, there's no way you can work a part time job on top of everything that we already do as a family and our careers. So I did, and I said I was going to do it for three months. And of course, because I got a part time job, that also meant that he had to do the same thing. So he ended up getting a part time at a Home Depot. And as we started this journey, it was like, oh wow, we were knocking stuff out, especially the smaller debts, right? Five hundred, 1,000, 1,500. 1, 1, fifteen hundred—we're we going really, really quick while we we're doing that side hustles. So we committed to one year after the first three months. We're like, okay, let's commit to one full year and see how far we can get. And we did it. And by that, you know, the 12th month, I was like, okay, I am done. (laughs) I was like getting off of work at five for my regular job to rush to the restaurant, to be there at 530, to meet my husband on the side of the road, to swap a kid, to pick up a kid, to get one kid to practice, to get one child here, to drop off somewhere else. It was a lot, but uh, it was worth it. And so we did that for a year. And then we just were like, okay, we need a break. We can't sustain this. And so uh, we took a break for about two, uh, year three and four. And then that final year, I was like, okay, we were literally at the finish line and it was just student loans. And I was like, okay, I think we need to do, I need that extra push. I work for a nonprofit, so I don't get bonuses. My husband gets bonuses at his job. And we were able to use that money, but I was like, I want that extra push. And so during that time, the very final year, we started doing DoorDash, in favor. In favor is a Texas-based delivery service here. And that was more family-friendly because our kids can come with us. I have a teenager and a six-year-old, so our kids can be in the car while we go do a two-hour shift. We can do it as a family if my husband was going to do his shift, and we all can hang out, and then so vice versa. So we did that for the final year, and then finally, September 2020, I was able to hit submit on my last student loan payment, which was just amazing.
0: Wow, that is the epitome of hard work. I am in awe with how dedicated both of you were to this process. Now, doing that and the amount of time that it took, I'm sure that wasn't easy on your marriage. Can you talk about that a little bit?
2: Yeah, and it's so funny because we joke about this. Actually, during that journey, I feel like we were the closest we've been because we really had to work together as a team to make sure we're taking care of home. Our kids, our careers, and then we were working together on like one goal to eliminate debt. Granted, we didn't see each other a lot (laughs) because it was like what's coming, what's going, what's coming, what's going. But I feel like our communication was really good. We were focused on, uh, you know, our goals during that time frame. And then when it did become too much, we knew when it's like, okay, we're not going to work a side hustle this weekend because we need to have family time. We need to have DJ and Brandy time. We know. DJ, you take Sydney. I'm going to take Emory. We'll have our own special date with the girls. So we realized that we knew that we needed to rest and reset when it became too much. And thankfully, again, because these were side hustles and part-time jobs, if we didn't want to do it anymore, we could quit (laughs) and look like, hey, we're fine. We're not going to do this anymore and completely quit. But I do think during that five years, our marriage was probably the strongest, although some people may not think that. We're like, yeah, how was that? You never saw each other, but we just made time. I mean, even when we'd be at work by day, it was like, okay, well, let's have a lunch date and we'll just meet for lunch and, you know, go over our goals and what we were working on. And it was 45 minutes, like, okay, we'll see you tonight when it's time to go to bed. Cause either one of us were going somewhere <laughs> after work.
0: So Brandon, you talked a lot about increasing your income through side hustles. Did you guys do anything to control your expenses, decrease your expenses on this debt-free journey?
2: stayed on a budget. We did a zero based budgeting, which worked best for us. And we did not decrease our expenses. Funny thing is, we didn't decrease our expenses until after we became debt free. That's when we decided to cut cable and some other things. But we were determined to focus on paying off our debt, staying on a budget and, and keeping the things that we enjoyed. So my husband's a golfer, so he would go golfing at least once a week, not at least once a week, but he made sure that golfing was in his budget. For me, you know, my hair, pedicure and stuff But more importantly We always made sure that Our girls didn't have to sacrifice anything Because of our past mistakes For those that follow me on social media know that my oldest plays college, college volleyball Not yet I hope she plays college volleyball That's the goal <laughs> uh, so That she plays club volleyball And that's an expensive sport And so she's been playing for many, many years Since she was like nine And so we made sure that She still got to play that And we weren't going to take away from her You know, we could have easily been like You know what, maybe Sydney's not going to play For two or three years and we can rush our debt-free journey. No, we wanted to make sure that she still had those opportunities even for our youngest. I mean, she's only six, but she's been playing the YMCA basketball for three years and she did, did gymnastics and things like that. So we always want to make sure that our girls didn't have to sacrifice because of our past money mistakes that we did.
0: I definitely prioritize kids activities and sports and camps and things like that as far as my splurging, because I think that was something that was really important to me when I was growing up and I really like sports too. So I absolutely, I completely agree with you. So talk to me a little bit about what happened when you guys hit that button and you said, Hey, we're debt free. Did you guys celebrate? What changed in your lives? Talk to us about that a little bit.
2: It was an, an amazing feeling. First of all, my entire family was in the office of me as I hit submit on that very last student loan payment. And then it was just like, now what? <laughs> kind of deal. You know, it was like the biggest sigh of relief that I had. And it was like, okay, what do we do now? So that was the end of September. So basically, my husband and I decided, like, hey, the rest of 2020, we're just going to relax, you know, chill, you know, continue to pay our normal bills, save money, and find out a plan for 2021. And so that's kind of what we did. We were able, celebration wise, we took our like first debt-free vacation that Christmas. We took our kids up to Dallas and stayed at a nice resort for the holidays, which was really, really great. And, you know, didn't have to charge it and pay it back six and seven months later because you're only making minimum payments. So it was really good to have that opportunity for our first debt-free vacation and and been able to do the so ever since. And that following summer, we did a staycation with my family, my side of the family. My family's never done a vacation together. I have two older siblings and they both have two kids each, but we've never gotten together outside just going to each other's houses. And so we did a staycation last summer of 2020, 2021. Can't remember COVID years. And that was great. It was a great experience. I was like, hey, you know, I want everyone to go. And everyone was kind of like, well, I don't know. You know, I got to move things around. I'm like, look, just put in this much show up on this date. I got the rest and we're going to go and have a really great time. And so it was good to do that and hang out with family and niece and nephews and make that become a tradition. I am 38 and my siblings are 51 and 49. So it was good to start a new tradition with family because I don't have that debt over me. So it was really, really good.
0: I have a similar break between my siblings too. I'm the youngest of four and I've got some siblings that are in their 50s as well. So I I feel that. But it's great to get together with family and create those traditions. At least that's what makes me happy with money, spending my money on experiences and getting together with family. So you've also talked a little bit, I've seen, about investing and how that's been an important part of your journey now, now that you guys are debt free. Talk to us a little bit about how you're investing.
2: I am just getting started as I was learning. Once I became debt-free outside of my workplace retirement account, I wasn't doing any investing. But as that last quarter of 2020, as I paid off my student loans, I started, of course, learning more during research. Debt-free community is amazing when talking about investing. So i open up 529 accounts for my daughters. For the longest, I always put it off because I thought, well, I need to have $1,000 to open up an account. And every year when I was younger, in my 20s, I'm like, oh, when I get my tax return, I'm going to open up an account for my kids. Never did. And years have gone by. And then I realized, you know, it's really truly not too late to invest. I know everyone says that. And and it's the truth. It doesn't matter what age you are, you can invest. Depending on your age, you may have to do a little bit more to catch up depending where you want to be when you hit retirement. But I've been able to open accounts for my daughters and their 529 accounts open up iras i just maxed out my 2021 roth ira so that was really exciting it kind of felt like i paid off a debt like i had that excitement again of you know hitting a goal and the most recently i shared on instagram i'm not one to look at my net worth because i was always scared especially during my debt-free journey i didn't want to see what those numbers look like and um, so once we paid off our debt march 2021 we looked at our net worth and it was just, you know, $12,000. And I was like, well, you know, it's positive. You know, if I would have looked at it while we we're in debt, that would have been a whole different number. So I'm like, it's positive. I'm not going to beat myself up for it. We ha- we own a house. So that takes up a lot. Anyways, just recently looked at it. And now we're at $84,000 in like, a 10 month swing. And I was like, wow. And what changed? I was like, I paid off my debt. <laughs> I started investing through my 403, uh, increased my contributions for my 403B, as well as opening out an IRA. I wasn't expecting to see that big of a swing in 10 months. So I'm like, okay, I'm taking small steps and my small steps are still making progress. So I'm like, just keep doing what I'm doing. And I will get to where I want to be when it's time to retire. Wow.
0: I love that. And what a testament to just starting where you are and then taking those steps to get now almost to $100,000 net worth. That is fantastic. Now there's somebody listening right now and they've got, you know, maybe six figures of debt. They're feeling a little overwhelmed and they're like, just feeling like they're never going to get out of this debt. Can you talk to that person right now? Maybe give them just one step following this interview that they could take.
2: You can do it. I know I felt the same way. There was I was always going to have student loans. I was always going to have car payments. But there is way too many people across this country and world who has done what I've done, who's in the process of doing it. So I would say that you can do it, believe in yourself. And the very first step is, you know, money mindset. Make sure that you can do it, believe in yourself, and then know your numbers, right? So right after this, I would tell you, go find out all the debt that you have. Don't shy away from it. You know, a lot of people don't want to worry about it. Like, oh, I have it. But no, I don't know what my balance is on this student loan or that. Know your numbers. Like Find those numbers because once you see those numbers, that would be another fuel to the fire to want to pay off your debt. And again, small steps makes progress. But know your numbers and make sure that your money mindset is there so you can believe in yourself to get it done.
0: This is great advice, Brandon. Thank you so much for your time today. And thank you so much for sharing your super inspirational family win with us. I understand that you are very busy on Instagram and you're sharing great information out there. Where can people connect with you if that's the best place to go or your website? Where should they go?
2: Yeah, you can find me on Instagram. I'm Positively B on Instagram, as well as my blog is www.positivelyb.com.
0: I love that. And yes, you are definitely in the positive territory for that net worth too. So we're yes. we're, we're all positive, right? <laughs> I love it. Yes. Very cool. Brandon, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it.
2: Thank you for having me. Thank you. A
0: quick reminder, this show is for entertainment purposes only, my friends. Be sure to seek out a professional for your specific financial situation. Before we go for the day, I'd like to ask you to join me and 1,300 other thriving family Facebook members in our Thriving Families Facebook community. We are all about sharing and helping each other thrive in this free community. My partner in the group is a wonderful woman named El Martinez. We've been buddies for probably five years now. <laughs> she hosts a great podcast called Simplify and Enjoy. You should check it out. Anyway, Elle threw out this question in our group as that's what we like to do. We throw out questions sometimes, and this is her question. For those who made the switch from a two income household down to one, what was your biggest concern? What changes in the budget and finances were the biggest surprises? And we got this great contribution from group member Stuart and he had this to share. When we were engaged, we took Ramsey's FPU class. We quickly paid off our consumer debt and mapped out our budget to the penny so that she could stay at home. I've been fortunate to have an income that has quadrupled since then, almost nine years ago, but our lifestyle grew conservatively while we saved aggressively. As my wife looks to re-enter the workforce, we can look to shift gears and look at life and work a little differently as we did a lot of the financial heavy lifting early. Thank you so much for sharing this, Stuart. It's a great story what you've had there. It's amazing how taking the right steps and then continuing them as time rolls on can make such a huge impact on your life, especially when it comes to the two stories that we heard today, intentionally paying off your debt, eliminating your mortgage in Jesse's case, and investing for your future. Once you've checked all those boxes, you don't need to work as much. You don't need so much income to be secure and to be happy. You've got a little bit more flexibility, got a little more options like our friend Stuart has shared with us today. Can I get a round of applause for our friend Stuart for sharing with us? All right. Thank you, Stuart. Thank you very much. If you want to share your family story with us, or maybe some of your goals that you're working on, please do this in the Thriving Families Facebook community. You can go to marriagekidsandmoney.com slash community. That's marriagekidsandmoney.com slash community. Again, it's a free Facebook group. We hope to see you there. In the spirit of growth and inspiration, I'm gonna end the show with a quote today from Gene Chatsky. By definition, saving for anything requires us not to get things now so we can get bigger ones later on. Your sacrifice today will give you the life you've always dreamed about tomorrow, my friends. Carpe diem.